Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. This is Podcast 444. Thanks for being here as we take a deep dive into how to persuade, motivate, influence, even persuade yourself. The good news today is we have a special guest today, Mindy Weinstein, PhD. She's a leading expert in digital marketing, has been named as one of the top women in the industry globally, founder of digital marketing firm Market Mindshift. She has trained thousands of professionals from organizations of all sizes, including Facebook, the Weather Channel, and the World Fuel Services. She has a PhD in psychology with an emphasis in technology and is a marketing instructor at Grand Canyon University, as well as a program leader for the Wharton School of Columbia Business. Welcome, Mindy. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's good to have you. He's going to take a deep dive in the world of scarcity, mm-hmm. the human mind, why we do what we do. But first, we got to ask, it's tradition on the show. You got to tell us what is the worst vegetable in your opinion on the planet and why? Oh, okay. Yes, I definitely have one. And hopefully, <laughs> you know, my teens don't hear me say this because I make them eat it. <laughs> but oh. I <laughs> I hate cooked cabbage. It's just gross. It's slimy and ugh, not my cup of tea. It's hard to fix cooked cabbage. I mean, some vegetables you put ranch on, but cooked gooey cabbage, yeah. I don't know if you can even fix that. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that? I mean, I remember growing up, my mom, every, you know, of course, every St. Patrick's Day, she would make corned beef and cabbage. And that was like the worst meal of the year. <laughs> Just <laughs> dread that meal. I don't think it tasted that bad, but the smell in the house, I think, yeah. was like, you come home, you're like, really, dude, come on. <laughs> right. It's growing up. Like, today's going to be a bad day. <laughs> we have to eat cabbage. <laughs> I do remember that smell. Well, it's awesome to have you here. Let's also dive into, because we got to talk about persuasion and influence. What do you feel as you look in the world right now? I mean, it's been a lot of changes, but what is the biggest persuasion or influence blunder you see out there? Uh, well, it's interesting. You know, I feel like, scarcity, for example. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today, I know. But that's one of the areas that there are a lot of blunders because I think people feel like they understand it. And so they'll start throwing out, you know, emails and landing pages and things that say like, buy now or you'll miss out on this deal forever. You know, it's like overdone. So like they keep doing it over and over and over again. And what happens with that is no one believes it after a while because it's like, well, you keep having this offer that seems to expire or seems too good to be true. So it all of a sudden becomes a very skeptical audience that you're trying to address. And as we know, I mean, people talk online. So if you mess up your reputation, it is going to be online and it's really hard to undo that. And so I see that happen with companies where it's just, it's just too much. Agreed. I, we call it the high lactose cheesy factor. And it, it kind of <laughs> makes me mad as a persuader, like, you're ruining the industry. If you're going to use urgency and scarcity, use it the mm-hmm. right way. Not this sale ends today, last you and your size. Or, I mean, really, how many times can a furniture store go out of business? You're like, come <laughs> on, people. True. I mean, be professional here. Not this <laughs> countdown right. clock that you could refresh and it goes back to 15 minutes. You're like, come on. So what do we do here? We have 
this law of persuasion that is so important that just drives people to action. And you got this other cheesy people that are just ruining it for us. Any thoughts there? To me, it's a matter of just not understanding how the principle works. And personally, why scarcity interests me the most is that when I was working on my PhD, I knew I wanted to do something for my dissertation on persuasion or influence because I was really interested in what motivates us and my degrees in general psychology. So, and I'm I'm a marketer, so of course I'm going to go that route with the what motivates us to make a purchase. But I realized very early on that out of all the factors, scarcity tends to be one of the most powerful. But because we don't all understand it, we use it the wrong way. Scarcity is there's different forms and not every customer is going to be drawn in by every type of scarcity that's used. And it even depends on what your product or service is. And that's what got me even more interested because I thought, wow, this is really complex. And I don't think people know how complex it is. So I think that's where people go wrong. It's They're misusing it because they just don't get it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, they they think they get it. They're like, they oh, do. Well, I'll put a deadline on it. I'll say it's the last one left. And what mm-hmm. is the the worst example of scarcity? I mean, when it really doesn't work and it really backfires. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's there's a lot of them, so it's hard to just pinpoint. <laughs> this is true. I mean, I'll tell you an example of one. And this is interesting because it's something just to watch out for again, because online, you know, people talk and we know that we do that. If we're not happy, we might do a review. Even if we're happy, we'll do a review. And so there was one instance that I came across or actually multiple, but I'm just going to give you this one story. And it was, you know, someone had purchased something on a website. And of course, it showed that there was only one left. And then they they bought it. And then they came back later, looked at the site again. And all of a sudden, there was a lot left. And, you know, the quantity had gone up. Now there's five left. And yes, that can be a glitch in the system. But when that happens a lot and over and over again, there's mistrust. And once you have lost a customer's trust, you've lost that revenue and you're not going to get them back. I've also seen instances where, you know, salespeople might push too much. You know, you got to make the decision right now, or, you know, you'll lose this 20% discount I'm giving you, which depending on what service you're providing, if someone's not prepared for that. So one of the examples I included was even just like an accountant. And it was a story of someone I was talking to and they're like, yeah, I was looking to hire an accountant. And all of a sudden the accountant told me, oh, well, this is my monthly rate. If you decide to sign right now and I'll send you the agreement. And the consultant I was talking to was like, I just didn't expect that from my accountant and actually was turned off instead. And so there's just times where you've got to know who you're trying to reach. And again, it's not going to work for every product and every service and every person. Yeah, that's true. There's some industries where you're like, wait a minute, really? You're an accountant. You're not going to take my business. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We'll sell us today. Well, we might extend it, but yeah, that that does drive us crazy. But let's (laughs) talk about the human brain for a little bit. I've always been fascinated with, we talk about scarcity, urgency, that psychological reactance that why is, tell me why is the brain more afraid of loss than gaining? I've heard some numbers three to one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how they quantify that. What are your thoughts on that? Why is the brain so consumed so much more about the loss than the gain? Yeah, absolutely. And I can answer that in two different parts. I mean, I'm going to start just with what happens to the brain. Well, you know, start with the brain activity. 
Because it's really interesting. There has been a lot of research done where brain scans were used to determine what happens to the human brain when faced with scarcity. And I'm not talking about when faced with scarcity of food or water, but with a product that's scarce. And so again, there's been MRI scans used and we can actually see the activity on the brain. So when faced with scarcity, there's two things that happen. The area of the brain that is in charge of valuation processing lights up. I mean, right away lights up. Something scarce, it has to be more valuable. That's how our brains just automatically start triggering. The other thing that happens too in the brain is that when faced with a, a situation where something's scarce or it's going to be hard to get, but the brain where the decision processes go lights up right away and it's a fast process, meaning that a lot of the normal steps that would be taken in making a decision are actually skipped. And even in the same research studies, we've seen that not only are those steps skipped, but the area of the brain that would normally be processing other information, nope. The brain's only going to concentrate on that decision and what's scarce and anything that's going to support it. So then we know that. So that's one of the reasons why it's just so powerful. It's because it's primal in us. We don't want to have something unavailable. That gets to FOMO, which is really the fear of loss that we were talking about. So the other thing that happens, and again, we've seen this through research, you know, that we have a very strong aversion to loss. That's how we're wired. And there has been a lot of studies that show that that feeling that you get when you gain something, that's great, but you're going to have a stronger feeling if you lose something. And the analogy that I like to give is, you know, you're walking down the street, nobody's around and you come across a $20 bill on the sidewalk. I mean, that's exciting. You've got $20 now. You put it in your you know wallet, very good day, you're excited. Now, if you lost $20, that feeling is going to be much worse, actually, than that feeling you had when you got it of excitement. We talked about the numbers like three to one. It is hard to quantify, but it's just, again, it's how we're made up. So when we even think back to situations we've been faced with, anything that's a loss is just a stronger feeling. And we don't want that. And part of that is also just our anticipation of regret. We anticipate that if we lose something or miss an opportunity that we're going to regret it. But the truth is, a lot of times that fear of loss and that anticipated regret is very short-lived, but it doesn't feel like that in the moment. That's for sure. No, I love that. And listeners, I hope you caught that, that people make decisions faster, just changes Mm -hmm. the way people think. And that's an interesting way to look at it. Losing 20 bucks versus gaining 20 bucks is just different in our brain. I mean, is that where we get hijacked? I guess we see these where people are you know, going to Walmart and fighting for that last DVD <laughs> player, those after Thanksgiving sales that are be good to be coming up. Is that what's happening in the brain? It just gets hijacked to where, I mean, people are fighting in line to get I that know. last game. I mean, what's going on there? There's a few different things. No doubt the whole idea of fear of missing out and it's fear of missing out on the best deal. I mean, that is a huge driver, huge driver on Black Friday. But there's some other things that happen. So with scarcity, it also ignites competition if it's a popular if it's a popular item. And that's the thing. And there's different types of scarcity. So something's demand-related scarcity. We're in competition with other people. That's what's happening. And so because of that, we start to feel that competitiveness and you start to even get excited. So there's a lot of excitement that goes on with Black Friday. 
and your hands start sweating, your heart starts pounding, and you're just all in and the aggression comes out. And so that's a lot with Black Friday, but with that whole feeling of excitement, that's another big thing of why so many people still go out and shop on Black Friday, even though you can get deals online, it's because they want to be part of the action versus sitting on the sidelines. And so they just get caught up in all of it. Black Friday is like the best to watch when it comes to scarcity, because that's like the case study that we see every single year. It's like, yeah, these humans, what, who are these people? Getting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. up at 5 a.m., it's freezing outside, mm-hmm. they're ready to fight. But they're ready. <laughs> They want that crock pot or that TV. It is, you know, <laughs> it is an interesting study in human behavior. There's no doubt about that. You mentioned a couple of things interesting. There's the regret side. I'm going to miss out that FOMO. Mm-hmm. Then there's the competition, the ex- excitement side. Mm-hmm. Is there a balance between that? I mean, it's interesting because there's those kind of very two extremes. The regret I'm going to miss out versus the excitement, the competition I'm going to win. Do we balance yeah. that or is it? What do you think about that? Well, it depends on the situation. Black Friday ignites, I feel like, most of those. So, I mean, you have the excitement. You have the fear of missing out. That's why you're there. So, I mean, it ignites a lot of that. But, you know, Black Friday is very specific, you know, as a scarcity example. We don't always have the excitement feeling. If we're looking at a product that's running out or something that we have to be on a wait list or it's a limited time deal. I mean, we may or may not feel the excitement. I mean, most of the time we're going to have a lot of just that fear of missing out or that concern about not taking action. I mean, it's interesting from a consumer standpoint is knowing that like, if you get caught up in that, like take a breather because you're not going to continue to regret if you don't take action and buy something. From a sales perspective, it's knowing that people are prone to that is is really powerful. And you always want to, from a business standpoint, knowing that FOMO is ignited by scarcity, you know, it still has to be ethical because like we just talked about, things can backfire too on you. And that short-term gain that you might get from sales, if it's something that's, you know, you're doing just to ignite FOMO and, you know, it's a little more manipulative, it's not going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people do the short term, they close the sale Mm -hmm. now, the unethical. You mentioned earlier the mistrust. Mm -hmm. Is there any recovery from that? I mean, I know trust is an all-time low. We've talked about that on the show before, but let's say someone has crossed that line. Is there Mm -hmm. any recovery from that or is it just not maybe worth the effort for some people? Well, you can. I mean, it depends, of course, on the situation. I think you can build up your credibility again, you know, and it just depends on the situation. If it was something that, you know, it's promoted as a one-time only, you know, promotion or sale and you keep doing it and you've made customers mad, well, don't do any promotions for a while, you know, let it just lay low and respond to reviews, try to talk to customers, you know, try to get more testimonials that are positive, more reviews that are positive, and that can help. I mean, but if it's something, of course, major, you know, that could take a little bit of time, but I do feel like, you know, a lot of that with trust, you can build it because I think about that even with human relationships. I mean, trust in our relationships can be hurt and broken. A lot of times it can come back and be fixed. It just takes a while. And so that's a big thing. But just knowing that people are going to look online, it's just a matter of let's own what's showing up online. Let's try to get you know more positive things out there. And let's avoid those behaviors that we were doing in the past. Yeah, I agree. And I think we all need to think about our short-term gains versus that long-term trust, mm-hmm. the value of a long-term customer. We forget that sometimes. But We've talked about a lot of the brain and what we do, maybe some of the Mm -hmm. negative. Let's talk about what are the steps 
the yeah. best application to to really cause people to just go crazy, I guess, to really <laughs> right. want it. I mean, we've seen it in, in a good way to where- In a good way. You know, in the seminar, from the seminar, where mm-hmm. people running to the back, knocking people out of the way, so excited. <laughs> what are the best steps, the best application here? Yeah. Okay. So I want to just lay out the four different types of scarcity that I look at from a research perspective. And, you know, we see these. So as soon as I say them, I mean, I know everyone knows them, but- breaking scarcity into four different categories. We have our demand-related scarcity. So that's when something's really popular. So it could be a service. It could be a product. Then you have your supply-related scarcity. So that's some type of distribution shortage. Or I always like to think of even consultants. If you're a consultant, you are going to be naturally have supply-related scarcity because you only have so much time. Like Time is limited. Then there's limited edition, which is actually really falls into supply related and then time related. And that's where we see a lot of the like sales, flash sales and you know 20% off today only that kind of thing, because there's a time restriction. So when we talk about like practical application, there's two things to think about. It's what are you offering? Like what is your product or service? And then who is your target customer? Because I will tell you that there are some people who strive for uniqueness and it's called a need for uniqueness. And those are the people who are drawn to supply-related scarcity, meaning something that not everybody else has and also the limited edition because they don't want to be like everyone else. They want to be unique. They look for self-expression. And those are the people that you see posting on you know social media like with their latest and greatest. And then you have people who want to conform, that want to be part of a group. And That's really great for demand-related scarcity. And then the other area too, when it comes to just like bringing people in is a lot of businesses this could actually work for is anything that's exclusive, which does fall a little bit within supply-related, but people want to feel special. You can be part of this exclusive group or this exclusive offering or invited to this exclusive event. We all like that. And then time-related works for most things. But let me give you some actual examples. And so I got to interview a lot of different executives as I was working on my research. And it was amazing because I have a lot of the academic knowledge and the you know marketing practitioner side, but hearing how these bigger companies are using it was fascinating. So like, for example, I interviewed the CEO of 1-800-Flowers and they also own Harry and David. What they do, because Harry and David, those are customers who like unique products. They ended up creating these subgroups or subcommunities is what they called them, where they would let you know and you could join a group of 20 or 30 you know, customers and your group would get access to special things. And the example that was given to me was like gourmet butter. Well, there was only so much butter that this woman had churned. She only like provided it to local restaurants, but this exclusive group got the first opportunity to purchase it. So there was that feeling special, but we've seen a lot of different areas, but just kind of understanding your product, your service, and your customers, the first part. No, I love, I'm glad you mentioned that, that feeling special part's one that we tend to forget sometimes where that human need just to feel mm-hmm. special, to feel wanted. They're part of a group. They're part of a right. something, something. And that's a huge thing to, we can add that to scarcity. And of course we can all add the time issues. And I think mm-hmm. a big part too, is, I don't, tell me about your research is that Maybe a reason behind that scarcity, not just to bring it up that the sale ends next week, but the mm-hmm. reason behind that. Did that come up in your research? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because most of the research just focuses on what are the responses to a scarcity condition. 
But, you know, I think that anytime you can inform someone of the why, this is why this ends now or why this ends soon, what that does is that actually gives someone the ability to logically explain to anyone who asks, because, right, a lot of times Mm -hmm. we just make purchases and, and do things and we want to be able to logically explain it. And so it gives them that chance of like, oh, well, I made sure to sign the contract because blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what I was looking at. And so anytime we can give a logical reason to someone or that extra information to help them justify a purchase is definitely beneficial. Listeners, just remember, it is abused out there, but you still need to use it. You (laughs) have to give them a reason to act. Otherwise, the human brain's just not going to act. They're going to take their time to do that. But this is great information. I'm a big believer in that urgency and that scarcity. So Mindy, tell me, is there what's that one thing we missed today? What's that one thing our listeners need to know about scarcity that we didn't talk about? Well, I would say, especially from a personal, whether you're selling or talking to people, scarcity also does fall into a little bit of that category of playing hard to get. And not that you want to play hard to get and say, oh, I can't work with you or no, you can't buy my product. Not what I'm talking about. But when we truly value the services that we're providing, or the product that we offer, and we truly do value it, and it's genuine, and we believe in it, a lot of times scarcity happens naturally. So again, whether it's we're a consultant and our time scarce, so we can only work with so many clients, well, it doesn't hurt to mention that to a prospect of like, I would love to work with you, but I'm very selective. You know, because you're valuing yourself. When you're thinking about your products, don't just keep throwing out discounts because then there's a value issue there. And so those are things that I just feel like you got to keep in mind in that It's really that area that not everyone thinks about when they hear scarcity, but it's a really important part of it. Well said, well said. Thanks for your time. Great information. Hopefully you can apply a couple of the things that you're learning today. Tell us, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do and and the power of scarcity? Yeah, absolutely. So my book is out and it is called The Power of Scarcity. And so I dive into all the things we were talking about. You can just go to powerofscarcity.com and that'll take you directly to the book page. You can read all about it and get more information. Well, thanks, Mindy. Really appreciate it. Great information. Again, big believer of law of scarcity. It works as one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. I agree, but it has to be done in the right way. Don't do it in the cheesy, high-lactose way. Do it in the right way. Then it's powerful. People believe it. Don't hurt this industry by doing the old-school type stuff. So that's Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for listening. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. Hit like, hit subscribe. Go to Minnie's website to find more information. And go to Maximize Your Influence to get your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Get my free book, Maximum Influence. That's the new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And if you want to know more about our newsletters, coaching, products, and services, check us out there. But again, take one thing, just one thing you learned today, make it part of who you are, make it a tool of influence, and go out and persuade with power.